G'day everybody, and for those who are coming late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. We are the X-Band, the Phantom Podcast from Chronicle Chamber. Our website is chroniclechamber.com, and you can contact us via email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, and many other Android apps. This is episode 168, which originally started off as a comics and news for September, uh, with a special guest, but that special guest, um, we had some technical issues and we had uh, a, a really great chat. And so instead of putting it all together as one big podcast, we've decided to split it as two. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to the first part now, uh, which is with Grange Wallace, uh, who is the cover artist for these amazing uh, Ibis Mysteries uh, comics. I've only got three here, as you can see if you're on YouTube. But, um, so we're going to be talking about these plus a whole heap of other stuff. And then after that, we will get into the comics and news with the boys. So, uh, over to you, Sammy. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks. The Phantom, enemies beware, the Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds you. For those who've come in late, the Ibis Mystery, which has been the latest um, story coming out from Fruit, is actually an old story. It's a teen phantom story from uh, Norman Walker and Carrie Lepinen from the early 90s. That was first published by Fruit in issues 1064 to 1067. Um, and for that first Australian print, the covers were done by Antonia Lemos, apart from part three, which was done by Carrie Lepinen. Now, for the present-day print run, numbers 1,873 to uh, 1,876, the covers were created by a friend of the podcast, Grange Wallace. And today, we are very fortunate to have Grange join us today. Welcome, Grange. How are you today, mate? Very well, thanks, Stephen. That is a hell of an intro. But, uh, yeah, no, just wrapped to be here, and thanks for um, accepting my own personal invite to be on the show, asking you guys to be on the show, so I appreciate it. And I'm um, glad to be here. Thanks for asking, having me. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a oh. very, a very easy conversation. I'm not sure were you invited yourself or we were like, we're just talking about how much we love the covers and the, the all evolved from there, mate. So uh, we're very happy to have you. Oh, well, thanks. So, uh, well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think um, Melbourne ISO was getting to me and I just needed, 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 <laughs> needed the conversation with a couple of um, comic book fans and especially Phantom fans would be great because um, all these artworks I've actually ended up doing in ISO and, you know, through a slightly difficult period of my own personal life. But, um, but yeah, they've been a, a labour of love and they've really kind of got me through this whole thing. So um, being able to talk about it publicly and, you know, see what you, you and the rest of the fandom, fan, sorry, the Phantom fandom think of it is um, a real treat for me. So thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Our pleasure. Now, what number beer are you up to? We're going to be doing a tally during the night. I think <laughs> you and Dan are, uh, are good old beer buddies. So uh, we'll be amiss if we didn't um, have a tally started at the start of the podcast. Well, as I said to you off air, I, um, my wife's expecting, for those who um, are playing at home, 
Um, and we're due in about a month and a half or so. So we, so obviously she hasn't been, but I've barely been drinking lately or like just if I do maybe one here, there and everywhere. But tonight it's been a long week. I've been working on footy cars. I've been working on a whole bunch of stressful things and I didn't have a couple of beers. And the most exciting thing that ever happened to me this entire week was that I went to the bottle shop and they said, if you buy three of these particular beers, you get a beer stein. So um, <laughs> I'm enjoying that. And I'm having two beers tonight and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. Absolutely. And I haven't seen my mum for two months. Yeah. <laughs> so this is exciting for me. <laughs> and Dan, for the tally, what number are you up to? Uh, well, beer four, but I'm a Queenslander. So starts having a conversation with anybody. <laughs> awesome. So I was asleep, and I was asleep 10 minutes ago, so I didn't have to the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So even in isolation, some things do not change. <laughs> so Grange, we've got you on to talk about the covers. So um, I, I think I remember last last time we actually had you on the podcast, you gave us a very sneaky, sneaky uh, peek that you were looking at doing these covers. And that would have been probably about, oh, probably about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I think. Um, uh, I don't think it's that long, I think, because I only got the job for these in around about November, September, I think, okay. um, last year. But it was funny because they said, oh, look, so we were all away in Sydney Supernova last year. I um, spoke to um, Dudley and Glenn and I basically, this is just the way I tackle everything with my own freelance career is I will... Um, Whoever's employing me or offering to employ me, I always like try to set goals with them as though I was a normal, you know, employee because I think it's important to have goals and, you know, talk about projects and the potential for um, a, a new collaboration here, there and everywhere. So basically being very inspired by Jamie Johnson's work with how he did a few interconnecting covers in the last few years, I was like, that's actually a pretty good you know, that's a good target to reach in terms of my own creative output and it's a real challenge. I didn't know how challenging it was until this project, but it is challenging. Um, and it was just something I wanted to do for myself. And so I spoke to Dudley and um, Glenn and they were both pretty nice about it and obviously very accommodating. And they said, well, look, we'll, we've got the Ibis mystery. We've been thinking about redoing a print on that and actually adding a sequel issue to it. So all said and done, it will be five issues, which is um, out of the, the cat's out of the bag on that one. Um, but uh, unfortunately, the, the, due, due to the artist is perfect, uh, the sequential artist on the inside of the next issue, due to whatever personal circumstances they're going through, it's been a bit of a delay. Um, but um, so it's actually given me a bit of extra time to sort of put that uh, fifth covers polish on. But, yeah, so that's just basically how it came about. And then because... When they offered me the, the set, I was like, this is fantastic, but do I have a few months to get to it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you've got a while, um, almost about a year to get it sort of done. But I think they might have wanted it earlier. But then because I had a whole bunch of projects towards the end of last year and then COVID happened and I had some holiday time with my wife at the start of um, 2020, not knowing what year we were about to have. And... Um, yeah, then it sort of just sort of kept getting pushed back and I ended up losing a lot of the work that I'd planned for the year and I ended up going back to my um, old, you know, construction work that I haven't done for about 10 years 
Um, I used to be in advertising before that and I've had like little advertising stints whilst I've been an illustrator. But yeah, it was just like find some work, any work. And then after a, a week after I found out I was labouring, uh, sorry, when I was labouring, I ended up finding out my wife was pregnant. So this year's just been a, an absolute um, spectacle. I'll put it that way. <laughs> there's, a, there's a military word that they use for this, but yeah, it's a, I'll go with spectacle. Mm. Mm. Something like a cluster, something. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't we won't say that. Word, yeah, we don't want to click the e button on the when we upload this podcast. <laughs> how the um how long were you on the tools for in the end, Grange? Back at labouring. Um, it was funny because I had work coming in, and it was like sort of stockpiling. Like, if that makes any sense, I had these covers, and I had uh, the footy car people were hovering about, and. The person that cancelled a lot of the work that I was supposed to be doing for the year came back with a few things and then all of a sudden I was inundated with work and I'm still... So I ended up working for about three months on the tools and just because of the way this year sort of gone, there's a very good chance that I'll be going back on tools in you know, a month or so, month and a half, which is fine. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's COVID, so you've got to do what you can. Yeah. Um, I'm very confident and secure in my career and I don't really have any issues with it and I actually enjoyed it. It was actually nice to have um like a better description, a bit of a career break. Like it took the took the mental aspect out of like always hunting for work, looking for the next set of projects and all that sort of stuff away from me. So that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. And I was working with some of my best mates, so that always helps. I was gonna say you must know somebody because um that that's awesome that there's somewhere that's flexible enough for you to come in where as you need to. Yeah, it's um, well, because basically at this point in my career, like I, I can't, I can't do carpentry and stuff like that I used to or anything like that, and I was never um, a licensed carpenter or anything like that. So it was just labouring. So like demo work, they've got a few different job sites and a few things like that. And my mate Matt, who's um, I was uh, one of the groomsmen for him, and he was one of the groomsmen for me at my wedding, and. Um, yeah, he's just sort of been accommodating and he thought it was really good and he enjoyed, and, and we really enjoyed working together, which is nice. And, you know, like the job's changed for a little bit. Um, the guy that I was working, like who we were both working for, he was like, oh, look, do you have anything to go on with your stuff at the moment? I'm a little bit, you know, I'm trying to move on this job and that job. Can you work for yourself for two weeks again? And then funnily enough, I was getting a little bit stressed about the amount of work that I had to catch up on because I was doing too much labouring and I started getting like loyal to that job and not enough loyalty to my own career. And it was just that funny sort of, you know, the teamship, maintenanceship thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I ended up getting back into my own work and then as I got back into my work, I started emailing some contacts as well and then more work came out of it. And then I've actually like, I've been working almost seven days a week for the last four months. Oh, well, so, yeah. That's great. Yeah, well, we appreciate Thanks. you taking a break out and talking to us. <laughs> Trust me, I needed this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess it's a good way, segue. I've, like Stephen, I've only got the first three parts uh, in the mail myself. Um, first of all, you've done a great job with these, Grange. Are you, are you happy with them, with the covers? No, nah, I hate them. <laughs> Spoken like a true. Uh, um, in all yeah, honesty, can you hear the, all the tripe that he keeps spilling about him on Facebook? You know, he... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Sorry, 
all the tripe you've been spilling about them on on, on Facebook. You're real devo about the way they've turned out. <laughs> That's true, but uh, you know, like I think I was really thrilled when I could finally get to the point and sit down and draw them. I really wanted to do them traditionally at the time, but because um, a couple of projects fell in my lap. I ended up not having the time to actually sit down and do them on paper and ink and all that sort of stuff. And then it came a process of actually just deciding to do the best job that I could using the tools of my disposal with um, the digital, um, the iPad that I use. And the, and um, and I was still learning how to use the iPad and the new software. So it was a bit of a labour of love having to learn the new software and sort of make something out of it. But... Um, it was also a funny time because um, my one of my so my mum is um, one of five uh, sisters and uh, two brothers, so she's a big family, but they're all quite young. And um, one of my aunties, who's a twin, actually um, was was passing away um, at the time when I start when I was starting the first cover, and then she actually passed away when I was finishing the second cover. Mm. So, funnily enough. They were sort of like I like I've always heard that thing on like TV and all that sort of stuff about like when you're upset or when you experience a loss, you should throw yourself into your work and you know like you know find find your way back into you know the daily grind via that. And it was the first time I've ever experienced it, as well as also being able to action that. So like I actually did sort of find it in the work. And I feel like the first cover, which I really enjoyed drawing, but that was more about like drawing all the components and making them look good in for my own like uh for you know for my own standard but then um the second one i had a bit more time to sort of catch up and throw it into but then chris wall's um, next giant sized issue came out like with that great artwork with him and catman and like the big thing of the fandom and i'm like Jesus, I was really proud of my last cover, but look at that level <laughs> that that guy's just done. So if you look at the second cover, the face on that, I spent a lot of time on the Phantom's face on that to try and sort of catch up a little bit on Chris Wall. I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near that genius's work, but, like, I really sort of, like, try to find the next gear with that. And, you know, whilst I was thinking about my auntie, um, sorry, my auntie, I was just, um, I was allowing myself to sort of, like, process what I was going through by drawing that so there's a lot of extra detail in that which is just me polishing the artwork as also while well was going through whatever i was going through at the moment because i've never experienced a loss like that before and it was, it was quite tough mm-hmm. nice. well thank you thanks for sharing that um with us Craig, because the uh you know that's a personal story and we appreciate you sharing it with us and, and, and everyone else who's listening and and looking at um 1874 now which is that second one you're talking about the you're absolutely right the level of detail in that i you could absolutely tell that you'd leveled up on the face i thought um in in terms of the uh yeah the detail that you went to with it um and and every aspect of the cover you know you can tell has been really carefully thought through yeah thanks i actually feel like it was um cathartic in a way because like i feel like it sort of it elevated excuse me it elevated my work a little bit because of that whole sort of process, because like, I'm not sure if you follow sort of like, um, like uh, athletes talk about it and um, like artists talk about it. It's like when you, you train and train and train and then you have like a flow moment and then like you just get into a, a groove and then you, like it was a bit of a flow moment that cover, like where it just sort of poured out of me like a better description because I was looking at a few different things 
But so that one and this, the third cover, which you've all got um, by the sounds of it, yep. where those two like moments, like the, thir- the, the third one I'm actually quite happy with because I actually didn't look up a scrap of reference except for the caves um, behind um, Kit. <laughs> like that was the only thing that I referenced from the book. I knew there was a giant eel in it. And I had to make the um, the villain my own because because of his sort of nationality aspect to like his original costume on the inside of the interiors of the sequential art because of just the direction of the way everything's going with um, King Features. Like we've got to try and make everything a little bit more racially ambiguous. Yeah. So um, just because you know, like just to keep it keep it up to date. So I sort of had a bit more freedom with um, the way I drew. The mummy villain, and it was just a bit of fun, just sort of going into that. So those two covers were—they're they're kind of special to me, and I think I'm always going to remember them quite, quite fondly. From memory, you had a bit of an issue with um, uh, one of your last covers. Was it the slaves? Yeah, that's one. Yeah, where the, where you had um, where you had to. What, what was the word you used? You had to universally racial racial him or something like that so you used the word what was the word you used um uh, i can't to be honest with you that's a very good question um i'm not sure if it was on the record but like uh, it was just like i think basically you, I have mean, to, you mean people should skip back 30 seconds and listen to what grange just said all right we'll do that then <laughs> yeah like just like you just have to make it more ambiguous in terms of because the Phantom is a character who's stepped, steeped in a lot of history and he's had, you know, some great stories based in history and, um, you know, Lee Falk always wanted to sort of use the Phantom as a teaching tool, uh, tool of history. But unfortunately his own history has almost been um, tampered by this current climate, which will probably not necessarily be the current climate, but the climate that's here to stay in the sense that, you know, it's the, the, the classic story of the... Um, the Anglo-Saxon superhero saving the natives and all that sort of stuff, which is um, a little bit of, unfortunately, for the Phantom, is a little bit of a dated principle. But I think that what we've got to try and do as Phantom creators is sort of just find a way of reinventing the Phantom. I mean, if you look at Batman and if you look at Superman, if you look at all the other top-tier superheroes that have been around forever, as long as the Phantom, but not as long, um, <laughs> as long as the Phantom, um, they have all been reinvented. And I think... Um, one of the things that I can do as a cover artist is just sort of throw that line about like bringing in a new audience, making sure that my characters or characterizations of the characters, like we've got a description is, is a fair representation and a fair shape for everybody that's involved in the book and including the characters. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, just, just one of those things that I had to learn by having to redraw some of the characters because I just drew them the way they were in the book originally, not thinking anything about it because I don't know, I just didn't think that way. Um, but, you know, having a guy with um, a bag of grenades and a turban is not necessarily something that you can draw in a book these days. And it's got to be, you know, sort of like the things like yeah. we can't have the phantom, you know, hunting endangered species anymore like because we're trying to obviously um, discontinue that sort of promotion of violence against exotic animals because, you know, trophy hunting is terrible and a few things like that. So. It's just one of those things, you know. You got to involve the, you've got to evolve the character, and that was just one of one of the things I had to learn along the way. It could, uh, guys, it could, it could be a good, um, an interesting podcast chat. Maybe we won't get into it too much today, but it could be an interesting podcast chat about whether 
the phantom needs to, you know, be reinvented or, or moved along or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's very, very good thoughts there, Gray. You're going to hate me for this, but he definitely does. Like, he's, yeah. he's right for it. Like, he's yeah. got such a great storyline and it could just be repurposed and re beautiful. Like, I just feel like refreshes and reboots have got a bad rap, but they can be so beautifully done. So I actually feel like I'd love to see a fresh re- reinterpretation of the Thrannon, but still keep sort of like what Star Trek did with the new movies where they kept the original series untouched, but then they had some sort of a time-travelling element that just set it off on a different tangent and it was a, it's an all-new all thing. Mm. Whether you like those movies or not, it's different. The, the Phantom lends itself to that so easily. If you just click your fingers and go, all right, we're going to start telling the story of the 24th Phantom, who um, is beginning his journey in 2020, um, you could almost get the whole series back on kilter. Um, well, and and the, the, the mechanism to you do, to do that is built into the generational hero. Yeah. It exactly. Probably, it would probably be the 24th Phantom for the year 2040. Um, for oh, the, it depends how your best wants to work out. Anyway. All the people that yeah, like the TV like show. TV. I'm talking about the TV show because the... 2040, you know, TV show. So, um, yeah, but no, I, I think we'll, I think we'll probably do that as a podcast discussion down the track. So, I appreciate that, um, uh, that introduction to a future podcast, uh, Grange. Uh, <laughs> little, little sizzler reel. Yeah, yeah, we might even have to get you in on it as well. Uh, so then that way, people will hate you and not us. <laughs> well, I've got some strong ideas on it. So, um, grab your pen and paper. I reckon I could reinvent the fans if you mm. want to. Right. Um, so we'll move back. Yeah, let's move back to the covers. So, yeah, what were you going to say, sir? Uh, no, 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 that was it. You, you, you cut me off at the right time. Sorry. <laughs> um, so how do you go about to creating four slash five covers? Like, what, like, could you just briefly tell us your process? What's your mind? Have you got pencil sketches or like just... I guess just, yeah, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit. Yeah, well, so basically I've got the original stories and I ended up um, reading them and then, you know, like making notes on what I thought were the cool bits, like in each issue, like, you know. There's a question, Did you, did um, um, Fru send you fresh copies of the books or did you go back and pick up 1064, 1065, um, the old stories? They they sent me, they sent me them. Um, So... They sent me all the older ones here. So nice. Yep. And what about so, part five? Have you seen that? <laughs> Doesn't exist. Okay. So, um, so I went through that, and then I looked at the covers, and I was like, "Okay, these are pretty cool." And then I had these grand plans of what I was going to do, and the only cover that looks exactly like the original is the first cover. So. I'm not sure how this will show up for you and your viewers, but so that's the first one here with the two ladies behind the um, the coven table, the giant um, baboon lion, the phantom and the, the pharaoh. So then that's the only thing that lasted from the, on the second issue was the back cover with um, mm. the mountain people. And then I had the phantom running out of the mine shaft with the villain sort of, and pulling out Hero, and then it was going to go into the, you know, into um, Kit Guard, sorry, the Phantom Cutting Kit, 
and then the bracelet and the eel and then the last one here with the big ibis. But then when I knew there was going to be fifth color, I'm going to save the ibis for the last issue. And then um, Devil and the Phantom, like the way he was in the original cover with um, Villeneuve. But what happened is as I was drawing this one, I hated this section here and Glenn gave me some um, feedback saying, oh, we'd like it if you varied the size of the Phantom up a bit. So he's not always like this small guy against a big threat, which is just how I interpreted the story. And then, yeah, I just basically, like I've got, I've got screen recordings of all the covers of how I drew them. So the second one and the third one, you'll just see me trying to do my layout about 10 or 15 times each, like scribbles and then rubbing it all out and then starting again until I landed on the ones that you've all got in your hands now. And then the last cover, um, I had this idea of it just being like the Phantom in like this sort of ghostly, misty, like burning out forest from the explosion and everything's in ash and he's covered in white and it's him, Hero and Devil just like side profile walking through like this ashy field. And I said it's a Dudley and he's like, it's a bit plain. <laughs> he's like, it's a bit plain. It's not as uh, dynamic as the other ones. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I hated it and I ended up like... <laughs> procrastinating on it for a few weeks no actually about a week because i didn't have that long to finish it and then i um basically like was looking at it and looking at it and i was like i hate this i hate this so much and i just like deleted it and i drew the the fourth cover which you've all seen online at least um over the weekend yeah that's one yeah, and I just thought it would be cool to do like a phantom that just fresh out of an explosion shrapnel all in his back and just go and like Ugh. <laughs> like a tough day, tough day at the office. Yeah, 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 that's exactly how everyone's been putting it. Um, and that's the cover for. He's got to have a bad day every now and then, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, you, you're right, Stephen. It is like a, a very. Um, it is a 2020. <laughs> Just, so you, you've got it in your hands, then. What do you think of it? In, in yeah, no, I do. I do have it here. It arrived yesterday. Um, in the as a subscriber, so uh, be the first one in a long time I've got before Jermaine, I think. Um, so no, I, I really love it. Um, I think that um, when you first showed it to us, I was a bit um, you know, it, it is it, it jumps out at you because it is um, the Phantom, you know, victorious, but having had that bad day, you and we don't see too many of him, um, especially cover images of the Phantom being just beat up and had it. So, um, no, it was uh. Yeah, it, it grabs your attention, and again, the the detail, the attention to detail in the face, again, I think is um, is pretty, yeah, pretty impressive as well. Oh, thanks. Because, like, to be honest with you, like, it's this weird thing. Like, I'm not sure how the other Phantom artists fare when they're drawing a cover, but I'm literally just thinking the whole time it's like a war of contrition between me, my pen, and God damn, I hope the fans like this. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I just really don't want to upset anyone, which is probably the worst way to be as an artist because you're just probably like trying to please too many people. But I know that my work's a little bit more um, contemporary than some Phantom fans like. But um, I, yeah, I just basically like to try and bring a cinematic feel to every every cover that I do. Like, I, like I love those traditional um pop culture uh, sorry like those you know like those um 40s 50s cinematic posters that were all illustrated but also like the phantom humane's books that were just reprinted like the old classic painted covers i think they look sensational and i want to sort of 
have my work in my own style be to the side of that, like paying homage to it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you with the terminology about the synonymic style, that's I got that from your I think it was your second cover, which was the uh story with the sword into it. it uh, yeah, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Yeah. Yeah, it, that like that was the kind of feel I got was that big Marvel, big cinema style uh, and stuff like that. So it's interesting you using that terminology because that was the feel I got with that one as well. Um, so yeah, no, thanks. Well, yeah, that, that's as a as a cover artist for free, That's um, my goal is to make it as cinematic as possible for the audience because. Well, I look at the fandom and I see all the other superheroes that are getting movies and cartoons and TV shows and I'm just like, why not the fandom? Like every time I see a new issue of the fandom come to me and I read it, I'm like, this is just as good as any issue of, sorry, any episode of the 90s Batman comic, a cartoon um, that Paul Dini and um, Bruce Timms did. So I'm just like, and I've spoken to Duncan Munro, we caught up on a Zoom a few weeks ago and I was just like, I really feel like the way to bring life back into this character would be like a really tight serial Netflix show. Like they've done great jobs with fans. Uh, sorry, with um, Voltron. Um, what else have they done? The, the new Transformers cartoon was pretty good. I liked. But like just getting that IP, giving him a really good lit wrist. Uh, sorry, list of um, uh, rogue gallery. Like giving the fan like inventing some really good core villains like besides just the pirates that just everybody will be like i fell in love with that villain like they've got to be as likable as the fan will like the joker and all that sort of stuff like i feel like the fandom needs a bit more of a mythology built around him in terms of who his threats are because yep. for mine it's like every issue is a different villain and it's different you know you know sometimes it's jack the ripper and sometimes it's this guy or whatever else or some witch or, you know, a phantasm. But I just feel like if you'd really just distilled the character down and then put it in a really tight animation with a really good story set of story arcs, they could even, you know, do the flashbacks and the Chronicle Chamber sort of stuff and show you some of the, you know, the previous Phantom's work that teaches the current Phantom to get through those processes. It could just be an amazing story and it could be an amazing series that sort of, Blows the blows the doors open on what the fandom can be able to do as an intellectual intellectual property. Mm. Mm. You're preaching to the converted here. We've, we've often um, said that sort of stuff about it. A Netflix series would do wonders for the fandom. And um, when you're talking about like a rogues gallery, that, and you're saying, yeah, well, the fandom has a huge rogues gallery because, like you said, there's a new villain every every, uh, every issue. So an idea for for that is like have one pick one of those um, fellas like say a fan favorite like mr hogg and actually really flesh him out and he'd be the big bad guy and like he could be like but then i suppose the criticism for that would be that he'd be like um oh he was a guy from daredevil Um, yeah kingpin so that might draw a likeness to that so pick somebody else i guess but um there's i mean there's there's a as you say there's a countless array of villains to choose from um the nomad um sahara Um, you know, Python, and I'm only naming ones that have probably been invented in the in the Tony DePaul era. Um, but and and um, Lubanga as well. Like, there's there's so many. The Black Carnation's another one. Hydra. 
Yep. Um, the vultures. Vultures would be um, cool. Oh, the vultures would be great. Yeah. We've actually, um, <laughs> uh, Grange, you're on fire tonight. We've actually, uh, one of the things we have actually been talking about for the last, probably the last <laughs> 18 months is doing a, um, a villains podcast. So we'll, maybe that's to... the premise we need to use is yeah, yeah, yeah. as the, um, as the rogues gallery. Yeah. So in, in saying what you did, I think, um, Moonstone did it and tr- we're getting very distracted. So this would be uh, a very long podcast, <laughs> but, um, Moonstone and Mike Bullock did it very, very well where he introduced a whole bunch of villains and then he pitched them all together fighting the phantom in um i think it was checkmate uh which was episodes 20 no 21 22 23 and 24 i believe it was uh where um it was so you had like no, about, i going to disagree with you at the moment mate so you had like about <laughs> six or seven bad guys all coming together and fighting against the phantom it's here six so um yeah yeah so <laughs> You know, it's so there is a little bit of precedence in the phantom world, but um, yeah, you're right. You're preaching to the phantom. Yeah. So what what I meant to say is, I'm not saying that the phantom doesn't have any villains, but I just think that the greater population only knows the phantom; they don't know his villains. It's like yeah. one of the reasons that the Flash and Batman and Spider Man are so successful as IPs is that their villains are as successful as the character. Yeah. Whereas, like Superman, is only Lex Luthor. Really, a lot of people might know Bizarro or. As a general as well. Doomsday maybe and Darkseid. So like it's just you've got to have really good villains because your villains are as much yep. the bread and butter of the IP as uh, the hero. So mm. for mine, I just thought, you know, if you do like something really tight with the Phantom where it's like a really like no holds bar sort of like gritty tale without it being like violence, something that the kids could get into like, you know, it doesn't have to be over the top, but just like a gritty tale, like where the Phantom's got his back against the wall sort of thing. But you introduce some villains with some really good backstories and you really th- flesh them out so they're like anti-heroes slash villains and all that sort of stuff like they did in the 90s Batman show. It's like it's a formula that's, that breeds success. Mm-hmm. Um, like ever since, you know, the 80s and the 90s in terms of movies and stuff like that, if you make the villains as interesting as the heroes those IPs last and last and last, like Terminator, Predator, Aliens. You know, like people want to know more about the villains than they do want about the heroes. Not that, you know. You look at all of the various villains from the walks of life of the Phantom, whether you've got seafaring pirates, you've got terrorists, you've got dictators, you know. Um, Mystics. Princes. Um, yeah, there's so many different types you could draw from. And to explore the backstory of a Sing pirate, you know, he's, that's his family business. He's, he's born into that and that's just how he uh, has always understood the world to be and, um, and understanding what makes every all of the, those villains tick. Um, even in, I think, a more real world, obviously the Phantom's more set in the real world than, than your Marvel or your DC characters are where that sort of um, superhuman uh, villain, super villain as well can exist. You know, in the in the the Phantom's real world, that's a little bit harder. But there's still the the stories of the characters, um, how they arrived at that point for sure. Um, it can be just yeah, yeah exactly. That, 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 that's essentially what I'm talking about. Like with seeing pirates, it's like, what is it about that man so that gets passed down from father to son? Like, why are they the opposite of the Phantom? Like, what is like is the father so abusive that the the, the son can't help but you know retroactively become them 
like even though they're trying to be better and then they like you know they fall in love with somebody doesn't work out they try and live the piratehood and then you know they end up falling back you know in the throes of despair back into pirate and then they become like slowly meaner and crueler and crueler than their, their father was ever before them and you know like just little narrative beats to sort of like go that version of that character like that's in pirate like give him a name give him a backstory that makes him so alluring that that one becomes so much more iconic than the other you know 80 years worth of them like that's you know what i mean like it's just that sort of like that's why we like the phantom because he's got that law you've got to give that to the other characters around him Mm. you know what i mean like that's just that's just how i feel and i just feel like there's such great there's such a good quantity of storytellers at the moment. There's such a good quantity of creatives at the moment and all of them are looking for a job as well at the moment. <laughs> so, And there's and, a lot of people looking for entertainment too. Yeah, exactly. And there's a big ass need for entertainment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of people that find respect in like rebuilding IP and making it amazing again. I mean, like, for example, one of my favourite movies from the last couple of years was um, Blade Runner 2049 because it was a sequel that did not feel like it needed to be made or it was not just a cash grab, but it ended up not being a cash grab because it bombed. But it was so dripping in the aspect, like the, the truth and the realism of the first film. It actually made the first film better in retrospect when you watch it, the second film, because of what you know like if you watch the first film after seeing the second film, you're like, oh, my God. They really picked up all these narrative points and just turned it into this brand. Like, I don't know. I love that film so much. I kind of, I could talk about that in its own podcast for hours. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we will go back on to uh, the comics and news uh, topics. It's my fault. I'm so sorry. Guys. <laughs> yeah. I think well, that episode 168 is now an interview with Grange Wallace. And... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> record comics and news separately. And then we'll, this is supposed um, to be a fifteen minute chat as well. Anyway, yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> that was we'll, never gonna happen. And then yeah, no. um, <laughs> and we'll be doing we'll talk more about the villains in the next pod uh, in one of our next podcasts. So will this will these covers be made into a poster? Yes. With part four. But if you can find anybody with a wall long enough, I'll give you a medal. <laughs> That's That's why I was gonna ask it. Are they going to be like side by side, as in um, what Jamie's done, or are you mixing? Them up you know, well, if it, if if it was six covers or four covers, I had actually considered it doing like yeah. one here, one here, then the the like two rows, lack of a better description. Um, but then when it was five, I'm like, I can't make that work. Um, but yeah, so it's just going to be one really long one, or alternatively, it might be five that you buy individually and that you could actually frame up individually next to each other, or you could combine them into the one frame. So how that looks at the moment, we don't know um, because I've got to do the fifth color, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more than likely going to be a one long sort of tapestry. And that's the way I kind of like it. Like, you know, like those traditional Japanese trap histories where the, you can follow the story along for a long period. Mm. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, it all comes together pretty well. And I think I sent you guys a rough one on um, our little chat that we've got going on uh, some social platform. Yeah. So, I, look, I'll, I'll put in my order right now for a bar runner. 
Um, I've got a bar, and <laughs> having that as a runner would be outstanding, and I think it would be about right. So if you don't um, if you do not do that, I'll probably have to buy a spare copy of each of these, uh, rip the covers off, laminate them, and make my own. So <laughs> Make sure you get a quality laminate that's got like a, a non-slip texture to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's actually a great idea. I'll, probably, I'll, I'll, I'll let Glenn know about that. Um, <laughs> But well, yeah, so yeah, it looks like it's going to be a long one. Yeah. So what's the what's your process in doing that? Because obviously you are going to um, each cover. You've shown us the the ideas you had, the thumbnails that turned into what they turned into or didn't um, as a result of your process. Um, so you've you've got firm ideas. Yeah, uh, you've heard what each pros, uh, what each cover is going to look like, but then um, you, at, at the end, think about what the next one's going to look like, or how to stitch towards that, or um, can you can you talk us through how you make those decisions? Because well, the, the movement, everything. Is there was a little bit of, you know, there was a little bit of Dan Andrews about it. Like it was a bit of management on the fly because it <laughs> sort of got, got away from me. Like I was drawing. Like, hey, I better put some context here, Grange. These guys probably don't know who Dan Andrews is. No, we're well aware. Victoria. What I mean by that is, is like I made one change thinking that it will still work and then it didn't. And then I had to keep making more changes on the fly. So basically what ended up happening was I drew each cover individually. Um, so like I drew one and then as I was finishing the second, like so for, for example, I drew the first cover. And as I was finishing the second cover, I went back to the first one's file, copied like a slither of the end of it, and then sort of merged it and overlaid it onto the other one. Mm. But the thing is there were sort of like some skeletal features in between all the sketches that sort of did line up and I knew what I was doing. But I had to basically like colour match everything like yeah. on each cover. So like take a take a centre, sorry, take the ends off and then draw a new artwork to connect them. Yeah, like a mini yeah. artwork and then that sort of just like was then ended up being my process through the whole whole thing where i just basically overlay the previous cover on top of the the back side of the first cover and then sort of trim it in the only thing is there's been a few things um where i didn't exactly get the lineups right for the the um the print cut lines so like for example the third cover and the fourth cover there's actually a double like you can if you line them up together the um you can see two parts of the cave lines that are identical like if you go back to back then you can overlay them and make it look sweet oh yeah i see where you are yeah yeah so it, it's it's a small little detail but yeah it's just not a hundred percent lined up so you can see how the side of the cave is a little yeah. too far into the back cover so oh, this is going to be you. just for people who are trying to line up their print versions, um, obviously in the poster or whatever, as, as it comes together, um, that won't be a, a concern at all. And look, um, how many people are seriously going to go home and line up their print versions? So yeah, Everyone will be after. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've been already getting a lot of hate mail about it. Nah, it's a joke. Um, but... <laughs> but if they just want a really good version, they're just going to have to wait for the poster, I suppose. Yeah. Now... Talking about hate mail, um, you made you made a mention uh, before that like you, you're very wary about appealing to phantom fans and all that. You you've 
you've done work for a lot of other different mediums, especially like um, football. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that football fans are, are very vocal and stuff like that as well. How are Phantom fans compared to other fans of some of the other IPs that you've done work on? Are they as brutal as what we think they are or is they, are they more forgiving or what? Do you have any experience in that or? I have plenty of experience and I have some stories to tell if you really have the time for it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're dealing with anything that people love, if it's got a fan base of more than a, you know, a couple of thousand, you're not going to please everybody. And I don't try and actively please everybody because I'm not that immature to think that I can, but I aim to please at least the vast majority. So in what I mean by saying that is that I want my phantom to look strong and heroic. And when it comes to the football cards and if I do a mascot or a footy player, I want them to look like the commanding presence that they should be. So it's about basically trying to pinch as many of the basic feelings that most people have towards these intellectual properties, you know, like Batman's supposed to be dark, Superman's supposed to be, you know, bright blue and heroic. Your football team's supposed to be tough. Your fandom's supposed to be, you know, flamboyant, but at the same time mysterious in a few different elements. So that's one of the reasons why I always make him look like he's got like a reflective, like glowing goggles. So, you know, to, he's the ghost who walks to make him look a little bit more ethereal. Um, but at the same time, he's an athlete and he's a strong superhero and he's a gunslinger. So, like, I would try and have all those sort of things. Like, I, I like to keep his gun belt moving like he's like a swash... A swash a, what am I saying? Swashbuckle. There we go. And, um, yeah, so it's just like you've got to pick, cherry pick your elements to make it the most classic version in your own style. So I always aim for that. But then, you know, like my first cover for this, uh, for the Ibis Mystery came out and when I popped up one of my pictures, like one group of um, people were like, that jaw's ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like obviously you have some talent, but, you know, you can't draw. And I was like, okay, so that makes no sense. She just paid me a compliment while slapping in the face with a wet fish. So, and then I responded to it. And I was like, oh, thanks. It was just a few hours of my work, uh, sorry, of my life, but that's 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 that, that's fine feedback. They deleted that comment, but you know, like you have to deal with these sort of things here, there, and everywhere because you have to. Ex- when it comes to illustration, the fandom on the first cover is actually the smallest version of all four covers, yeah. so you have to slightly exaggerate his proportions a little bit for him to be the recognizable feature in the comic versus you know the ibis um, pharaoh and everything else because there's a lot going on. But then if I do a, a tight crop and post it online, which is what I did do, and because it's at a higher resolution that's ready for print media, they see the, ex, the exaggerated features and they just like rip you to shreds on it. And it's like, yeah, but you haven't seen the whole... But if I started sweating that and getting yeah. upset, like with all those little comments, you wouldn't hear from me ever again. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. I'd just be like, that's it. I'm going to go like... Yeah. Lollipop man or something like yeah. just do something where I can just control like the people that I'm dealing with in front of me and rather than worrying about people online and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. If no. that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting listening to creators talk about the pitfalls of social media. 
Okay, so uh, take two. Welcome back from def- technical difficulties. Uh, behind the scenes, we've just wasted 45 minutes or something uh, while we try and work <laughs> stuff out between us. Uh, anyway, well, at, at various points during the off-air, as different people have tried to get back onto the, the Zoom conversation, um, Grange, we were talking about, um, I guess, the, the comparison between the, the original covers that Antonio Lemos did um, against the covers that you've done. So I'm holding up on the, at the moment on YouTube uh, for those who, who are there, um, 1094, which is this one. And um, we see exactly the same three. Sorry, 1064, good call. Uh, 1064. Uh, we see the same three characters um, on the cover. Uh, Phantom's still in the foreground, but they're, they're very different images. And we see the same thing um, across uh, the, the part two where basically we've got the same two characters, but vastly different uh, compositions and, and looks, um, even getting further away from that by the time, and you mentioned this right at the, at the start of the chat, um, very different um, in the third issue and then in the fourth one, um, very different again. So can you just tell us a little bit about um, how you guess use, because Antonio Lemos is an artist that we all love um, and, and is synonymous with Phantom Comics for, for 20 years. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit more about how you sort of um, you know, took the took the composition that he'd done and reimagined it, or um, you know, the I think in the the sketches you were showing us earlier on that your your horse in for part four was pretty similar to um, what Antonio had done, but then you went in a completely different direction. So can you just yeah. talk about all of that? Yeah. So, well, first of all, like Antonio, like I just couldn't get over how how warm he was when I met him at Supernova last year. Like I remember he came up. He slid up behind me and he's like, oh, I had a look at my arm and put his warm-ass grandfather hands on my shoulders and had a look at my arm. I was like, why do I feel instantly relaxed like I'm under one of those, like, weighted blankets that I'm seeing advertised to me under <laughs> on uh, Instagram every other five minutes? But, yeah, he's just got a really nice way about him. So it was actually a real honour to um, go over and, you know, lack of a better description, reinterpret his work for the next generation. But... The the way it's funny because I saw a whole bunch of homage art on the, on the internet around the time that I actually started these covers, and they kind of uh, agitated me to be a little bit because basically what it was is like people would take a, a, a classic picture of you know a well known art work, say for example like the Spider Man artwork where Spider Man throws his um, costume in the bin and walks away like that's a famous synonymous with comics um artwork and you see everybody do it with every other character but the thing is it's never had the same gravity as the first time it was done and it never will so for me it's always going to be a cheaper derivative piece of art that's copying something that's come before it and nothing beats original art in my mind so when it comes to me doing homage covers and this is the closest i've been to doing a homage cover was the first one in the harvest mystery was that you take the idea so the idea is a giant baboon the ibis pharaoh and the phantom you look at the assets that like that's what they are when you're thinking about it creatively it's like okay so i need these elements draw them in your own way it's that simple like Take those three assets that I mentioned, draw them in your own way, and I have to put a cover on the back. So then I was like, okay, let's make it a scene. So then I went into the book and I took um, some of the femme fatale um, warrior goddesses that are around the um, the altar, threw them on the back cover, and then that's how I did it. Because, like, I wanted to pay 
Like it is a homage cover. That's the closest I'll ever get to a homage cover without redrawing the exact cover in my own style there thereabouts. So I've got a pretty strong view on it and I know it's not necessarily popular in comic book circles, but I honestly think that you owe it to the fans, you owe it to yourself as an artist and your own personal growth and you owe it to the original artist to not just blatantly rip off their work and then call it a homage out of some sort of respect that you can give them. So that's my tough view. But then with the subsequent issues, I started like really wanting to go away from it. So like I didn't want it to be exactly the same. I wanted it to be familiar to the audience but then feel brand new Um, because that's my job. My job is to make it new. Like it's an old story. It's been printed before. Some of you, like you do, and you have a new collection. So what I have to do is entice you to want to pick it up again, read it again, feel it in a new print, smell that new ink feel, but then also get something that's a treat, which is hopefully my artwork that's wrapped in. But then... You know, so basically the first one went off with a hitch, without a hitch. And then, like, as I started working on the other ones, I started realising that I didn't like the original compositions that I showed you in the sketches before and they altered in the in the pipeline of the way I drew them. So then they started becoming a bit more of my own thing and it became a bit more organic. And then, so for, like, the last issue where we've got this sort of um, battle damage phantom, I like the idea of Antonio's sketch being later on in the story, whereas I decided to make mine a panel of he's just come out of the explosion. And I thought that would be a fun thing to add to the story. And you, did, you, of, said, by, you said before, I can't remember now if it's on air or off air, but... Um, <laughs> it's been that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you went through a real process of change in the way that you were going to depict that fourth cover in particular with him riding off on Hero. And I think you you said you might be able to share some of the um, the... the <laughs> Yes, did in the lead up to that. So basically, I had this idea of like I'm not sure if you guys have noticed because it's hard to line all the covers up in terms of like just space and without having too much of a reflection on the covers, given the glossy print that they're on. There's actually a bit of a colorway to it, so it goes from a strong purpley pinky hues into an orangey hues, and then it goes into like a blue hue, and then the last one's an orange, like a pink and then green hue. Um, so originally I had an idea for the fourth cover, but then this would have actually ended up being a problem for the fifth cover if I did do this and, um, Dudley and Glenn sort of put me on the right track with this, but I had the idea of it being a white cover with the Phantom sort of walking through sight, like on a side view, like in a cinematic style, like walking through the burnout area from the explosion, like just in like an ashy cloud and just like sort of being almost like a bleak white sort of like a Russian snowfield, lack of a better description, of the fan. And for some reason, one of the challenges that I'd set myself, my own personal goal for these series of covers is I didn't want just static poses. And then what that actually ended up being was a static pose of just having a fan side profile walking on a horse left to right of the screen of the viewer, lack of a better description, that I just thought, it doesn't live up to what I, the goals that I'd set myself for these artworks. I wanted each cover to be different. I wanted the fan to not just look like a placard character. It was just like, here's the Phantom. Here's the next issue of the Phantom. Buy it. It's a Phantom comic. Like I wanted it to be a story of imagery on top of the story within the books. So basically I sent it to Dudley. Dudley seemed a little bit hesitant on um, his approval of it. And then 
I ended up scrapping this artwork. But the funny thing is I ended up enjoying the way I was drawing the Phantom and I'll share it with you guys now. Um, but it ended up being a little bit of a, a bit of a miss. And I think you'll see why I ended up scrapping it because the idea was like, you can see the little rectangle on the right hand side. That's going to be like where the Phantom logo is the black area um, is where the, I would have connected to the cave with um, the third issue. And then I wanted the Phantom to sort of walk out. And then I was going to put like some of the imagery in the smoke from what he'd just been through, like just as a black and a white thing. But it just, it just wasn't working. The only thing that I liked about it was the Phantom's arm. And then I realized that I didn't and the blood off his chin. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And actually I did like the, um, the burnt hair. That actually was a new cover. So that's actually in the new cover. If you look at the top part of that cover, it's blinking, you miss it. But yeah, he's got cinch hair. I don't think I've got that issue here on me. In here. No, I don't. Is that the fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one. So, like on the back of his head, oh, yeah. he's got like a bit of a blown out area. Just so I'll where just... the A is. Yeah, absolutely. You can sort of. Yeah, so like I burnt the hair off on the top there. I just thought it'd be fun. The kid's going to have to go home, shave his head, and uh, grow that out until he gets his luscious locks. Absolutely. But, you know, so, he, hides it in a, he hides it under a hat or a skull, so who knows if he even got hair. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that was, um, yeah, so, like, as a, as, a, as a creative, you sort of got to realise when you're sort of, you know, backing a losing team and you just got to, like, pivot and just make the right thing, which ended up being that cover because the second, because I was... Like I submitted it on a, fr- on a Friday, no, on a Monday. Dudley got back to me on a Tuesday. And then I basically ghosted Dudley for a, till the Friday, saying <laughs> I'll get back to him on Monday with a finished art. Saturday morning I got up and I was like, it's not happening. I'm not doing that artwork. And I just drew a new composition and worked really hard on Saturday, finished on Sunday, sent it to him on Monday morning. I was like, I've totally, like, here's a new composition. I've just redrawn the cover. Please be gentle. <laughs> just <laughs> send it off to him. And he's like, great, mate. That's that's better than what it was. And, that, and that's yeah. this one? Yeah, that's that one. Can I also say, like, the just the um, the, the depiction of Hero, the, the face of the – I'm not sure that I've seen a horse so realistically depicted in a um, – in a in a cover image, and I and I do love the uh, the little attention to detail of the good mark on the on the bridle there as well. Oh, the mark, good. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I did that for you guys. I just thought you'd enjoy it, like because a lot of people <laughs> got back to me about um, the cover that I did. The issue number I can't remember, but um, uh, the one with the two femtotels in front of the lower people, the slave children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, like yeah. I did a thirteen phantom, and I just like embrace, like I put a lot of a few flourishes in the costume. Yeah. yeah, and the good mark was a little bit more flowery. Yeah, so like a few people have liked that, and then when with all the sketch covers that I did last year, I designed this idea of like um, when it comes to like neutral areas of the phantoms, like cave and like the the chamber of uh, sorry the chronicle chamber and a few things like that like i draw a skull but then i do the mark of the good on the skull like if it identifies that this is you know like neutral territory so that's when like i was like oh i can't do the skull on hero he's a good guy so that was the idea Mm. i like getting ladies (laughs) (laughs) it's been a very um it'll be a very interesting podcast to edit this one 
Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully people can keep it together and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, it's been great in fun in form, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate you just um, uh, going into a lot of detail with the covers and um, um, just, you know, talking about the processes and um, and the flow and the colours and, and everything that you went through. I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. No, no. Look, you guys are my mates as far as I'm concerned, so you're welcome. Um, I don't... I don't feel like there's any benefit in me trying to look too professional or be like a completely untappable or unapproachable person. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm not perfect in terms of like the way I uh, deal with um, my audience and a few things like that. Sometimes I don't get back to them as quickly as I'd like to, or if at all, um, just because, you know, sometimes my work gets the better of me and I just like let things slide. So if I get these opportunities to talk to people honestly and let them know that I'm a real person and I'm dealing with my own things, um hopefully other people can see that they're allowed to be their own people and do their own thing and deal with their own things and not beat themselves up about it because the fact is you know it's hard enough being human let alone a good one or a bad one <laughs> and and yeah. you know it's a it's a tough gig that you've got where you everything that you create for your work goes out to a public audience and then everyone's got at grange let's 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 go let's have, let's provide the feedback there and then um i'm sure that any of us in our jobs, if um, if everything we did on a daily basis was out for public opinion to, to see, we wouldn't enjoy that. So um, it's uh, <laughs> it's certainly an element of life that you, you deal well with, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate that. So, uh, Grange, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would want to quickly let us know or talk about or, or anything like that? Or any of the other guys got any questions that we haven't asked? I do have a question, and I think we we need to make it accept now that this is no longer a comics and news podcast. This is an interview with Grange, um, and so <laughs> we might we'll, we'll certainly reference this when we actually review the stories. But um, just your perspective, Grange. You said you you obviously had to reread the Ibis mystery, or was it was it a reread for you? Have you read this before? Is this the first time? You no, read it, was it? A, it was a new project. It was, right, like I had, it was fresh eyes on it. So. Um, and what did you think of the story? If you if you were to to, to give um, Norman Workers four parter a review, um, what do you think of his storyline? What do you think of Carrie Lappinen's art? Um, is this a, a fandom story that you enjoyed? Well, you know, it's funny because Dudley and I were debating um, because I, I enjoyed the the story. I liked the fact that it's been in a couple of phantoms. I liked the fact that um, you know Kid Walker was in it. And I like I like how it was like a unfinished business story for the Phantom. Like I like that element to the fact that it was never a resolved adventure and it was always messily ended, um, which I thought was kind of, kind of cool. Like it's a bit, it's a bit different. Like usually Phantoms, you know, it wraps it up, closes the book and, you know, it's all good. Um, whereas this one, you know, it had like a bit of a lingering effect, but like, so in the first issue, it was, it was quite deliberate of mine to do a bit of a sort of like a bewildered looking phantom where he looks a little bit like aggressive and a little bit like he's surveying his surrounds, like he doesn't get it. And then on the second issue, he's a very calm, relaxed phantom, even though he's engulfed in fire because he knows that it's an illusion. Mm. So the idea was he's like it's a phantom that grows through the storyline. Like he's originally, you know, like bewildered for a second and then like, you know, because of the, the chronicles and he may be able to sort of, understand the threat 
that he was able to sort of be a bit more cool-headed about it and get through it, but it still costs him a lot, which is one of the reasons that the fourth cup was so bloody is because it's actually, you know, it's a very risky story. Like he can't take, he can't take his um, threat for granted and, you know, he's, he, 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 he's exposed to quite a lot of danger. So, like, the fifth cover, which is in my mind's eye at the moment, is actually going to incorporate some more of the Ibis mystery, sorry, the Ibis imagery is what I meant to say, not mystery. Um, so, like, there'll be an Ibis in that because if you've noticed there hasn't actually been an Ibis in any of the covers except for <laughs> the, the, the Pharaoh on the first one. Uh, there was supposed to be one in the fourth one and Devil was supposed to be in the fourth one, but I was just running out of time. Um, but... Yeah, so the fourth one is so the fifth one's going to sort of bring all that together, and I've I've read the script and it's pretty cool. Um, it, it sort of reopens that sense of dread that I reckon the Phantom has going into that sort of environment again. But like, hopefully, I've got a cool looking heroic Phantom at the end for that story. Be all to enjoy. Who is the scriptwriter for the fifth one? That's a really good. Um, his name, it's Nicholas God's husband, Andrew. Andrew Constant, isn't it? Constant, that's it. Oh, there you go. Good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it should be good. I, I don't want to make any comments on it, um, on yep. that part of it. Not but, sure. um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen any of the actual sequential art for it, but I'm looking forward to it. But as far as the story goes, I like it. Like, I know that the, mystery, um, the, the mystic or the supernatural stories aren't necessarily everybody's cup of tea when it comes to the Phantom. But I kind of like them. You know, it's no different than when Batman has to do with some sort of a supernatural threat. Like, they're both the same sort of character in that sense of, you know, they're adventurers that are have no powers, but they use their wits to survive and they can outthink the problem. And, like, that's their core class of power. So, like, I quite enjoy those. Awesome. Awesome. No, I really, really enjoy that. Um, really enjoy your time tonight. Sorry we've had a few technical difficulties along the way. Um, That's fine. No, um, really enjoyed talking to you and getting an insight. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, but at the end of the day, I, like, if I'm going to finish up on anything before we get going, it's just I've got to thank Dudley. I've got to thank Glenn. I mean, um, Dud, uh, Dudley especially, like, he's he, him and I have had some really nice phone calls through this whole project and, you know, he's sort of, like, even checked in on me to see how I'm going in terms of the lockdown and a few things like that. And um, he's got a family member who lives down here as well, so he's obviously concerned about them and without going into too much detail on that. And, yeah, he's just such a lovely, such a lovely fellow and he's actually a very um, gentle and caring gentleman and it's been really nice. I've spoken to Glenn a few times and he's been great and they both know that obviously I'm going to be becoming a father in um, a couple of, sorry, in about six or seven weeks or eight weeks or whatever it's going to be. Um, depending on when the kid wants to break all hell loose <laughs> on us. Um, but, you know, like they've been like really supportive of that and, you know, checking on and it's just been really wonderful working with Fru this year. And um, so I thank him a lot and thank him for the opportunity. And I hope you all have enjoyed the opportunity and how I've taken it. And yeah, it's just been a real treat. So thanks a lot for having me, you guys. Oh, it's been our pleasure, Grange. And- the, the levels of, of thought that you've, you've put into each cover and your explanation of each cover has, has been fantastic. Like, it's more than just, oh, there's a few characters, let's just slap dash and put them on. You really told a story, and you mentioned sequential art you know, in regards to the comic form, but your, um, but your covers are more than just covers that just make a cool poster. They're 
as you were saying before, they really tell that story of um, of the adventure that the Phantom's having. And and yeah, thank thank you for for your time and, and sharing that with us today. Absolute pleasure, and thanks for saying that so nicely. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I want to follow up from that, but I'm not sure how to uh, to word that better. Or, or, or you've uh, done that really well, Steve. Um, and um, thanks to Grange for um, sharing the personal side of you know what life's been like for you in in the last six months or so as you've gone through the process and um, personally what the, the covers mean to you. And I think that you can see that emotion um, out on the page and anyone who's listened to this will be able to go back and have a renewed appreciation for them. Um, and obviously good luck to yourself and your partner um, over the next month and a half. Uh, I hope everything goes absolutely smoothly for you and because um, uh, it's not going to go smoothly for you after that. So <laughs> good luck. Mate. All hell is about well, to break loose. <laughs> if it goes any smoother than me trying to put the uh, co-sleeping cot together, um, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. so, no, thank again. you. We've got a, uh, I've got, there's a, a our portacot has still got hammer marks on it from where I tried to assemble it the first time. <laughs> awesome. Um, oh, that's gold. But I'm yeah, no, it's... a little bit concerned, Dan. Your youngest is, what is he, eight, and you've still got your portacot set up? No, he's 11, and I don't have the portacot. <laughs> but wherever it is, it's probably in a, a dump. <laughs> it would still have the hammer marks. It was not a, uh, it was not a PG experience watching me put the portacot together. <laughs> It's not like um, Homer Simpson trying to put together the. Um, it's always exactly like that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll finish off the podcast there. Um, I hope, hopefully, as you listen to this, it's kind of been concurrent, and uh, because it's going to be a very interesting podcast to um, uh, edit. Um, the next podcast will be episode one sixty eight B which will be the actual comics and news as we actually talk about the comics and news. Um, a huge shout out to Grange uh, as put very elegantly by Dan and Stephen uh, with their thanks. Um, uh, it was amazing listening to them. Um, hopefully the podcast is worth listening to. Hopefully you stick <laughs> with us. Uh, in episode 168B uh, because this has been, uh, this has probably been our worst recording We've not had recording issues like this for probably about two years. So, yeah. um, uh, I don't know. Since what we started, it's been what, two and a half, three hours now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the yeah, podcast yeah. itself so, is probably um, going to be what, one and a half? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm confident that the podcast will be a good podcast to listen to. So, if you do want to stick with us, um, you can subscribe with us on iTunes or Spotify or via apps like Podbean, Player FM, and Castbox. Uh, or you can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, our website is chroniclechamber.com and our email is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. So a huge thanks, guys, for sticking around with us. Um, happy phantoming from ourselves and... Uh... Happy phantoming. Happy phantoming. Happy phantoming, fans. 500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said I'm mad I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom, the ghost who walks The Phantom, enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom 